Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. In the midst of uh, this week's tragedy with um, Sandy Hook Elementary, um, as a father of seven with an elementary school child and uh, a wife that works in an elementary school as a nurse, it's, uh, it's a heavy time. And I wanted to start this morning by reading a list of the victims from the school and then... Uh, I would like for us to pray for their families. Charlotte Bacon, Daniel Barden, Rachel Davino, Olivia Engel, Josephine Gay, Anna Marquez Green, Dylan Hockley, Dawn Hawksprung, Madeline Sue, Catherine Hubbard, Chase Kowalski, Jesse Lewis, James Mattioli, Grace McDonald, Anne Marie Murphy, Emily Parker, Jack Pinto, Noah Posner, Caroline Pravida, Pravidi, Jessica Reckus, Aveli Richmond, Lauren Russo, Mary Sherlock. Victoria Soto, Benjamin Wheeler, and Allison Wyatt. Most of those are ages six and seven years of age. In Matthew chapter two, before we pray, I want to read a passage of from Scripture about Herod. Herod uh, is known as one who who built the rebuilt Solomon's temple. Uh, the stones of which, some of which you can still see, that are huge. Uh, But he was also known for a great tragedy that occurred in history against children. It says, Then Herod, this is verse 16 of Matthew chapter 2, Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all the region who were two years old and under according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Historians tell us that Bethlehem at that time had about a thousand residents and that the likely number of of male children in Bethlehem at that time would have been around 20. Interesting that 20 were killed in Connecticut this past week. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. I was reminded of this verse when I read the Sun News this morning and a little boy was told that his sister had been killed. And he says, now I don't have anyone to play with. Let's pray. 
Father, this is not simply a tragedy in Connecticut or at an isolated school. This is a national tragedy and a global tragedy. And we lift the victims' families to you. And ask you to do that which none of us can. To comfort, to heal. That your presence will simply be with them. Knowing that the families will never get over this. But we know by your power, your strength, they will get through this. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> the, um, one of the questions in the midst of tragedy is, where's God? And we see that our God is not absent from pain and difficulty and suffering. In fact, at his own birth, there was the slaughter of innocents. Time magazine called this event the massacre of the innocents, which is taken right, lifted right from the incident of Herod in the scripture uh, with his, his murder of the, of the male children in Bethlehem. <clears throat> the, um, John Donne uh, was a poet, a politician, and a preacher. And he was born in 1574. Uh, he wrote uh, probably his most famous poem is No Man is an Island. And uh, many of you have, have heard that poem. Um, there's a fascination that, uh, that we have with islands for some reason, with lostness and foundness, uh, the, the uh, series Lost. I don't know if any of you were, were fans. My family was. was. Uh, Tom Hanks' movie, uh, Castaway, where he names a volleyball his best friend, Wilson, his only friend on the island. Uh, you look at, uh, you know, a man who, uh, my favorite island story is a man who's rescued off of this island, and it's a little desert island, and, and they, when he's rescued, he, um, the rescuer points back as they're leaving the island, he says, there are three huts on the island, what are the three huts? And he says, well, the first hut was my home, and the second hut was, was my uh, church. And then there's a long silence, and the rescuer says, what about the third hut? He said, oh, that's where I used to go to church. <clears throat> I figure he's Baptist. You know, so you have two Baptists, you have three opinions. So uh, <clears throat> I, I grew up Baptist, so uh, since I are one, I guess I can, I can make fun. In, in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14... Isaiah 7, 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Over in chapter 9 and verse uh, 1, it says, But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time he brought into, into contempt the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, but in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Your translation may say Galilee of the Gentiles. This was not a uh, Jewish area. 
The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. You have, they rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil for the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder and the rod of his oppression, oppressor. You have broken as on the day of Midian. But every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I want us to look at each of these. Uh, The title of today's message is You Are Not Alone. You are absolutely not alone. And the first title that's given there is the, is the title, a Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. Uh, I remember in 1985, I was working in Miami, Florida as a uh, summer, for the summer as an intern youth pastor. And I was uh, debating about graduate school. And I remember calling uh, a friend of mine's father, a girl that I knew from Asbury University who had told me about Columbia International University, and, and I had applied at Columbia and been accepted, and I was debating whether to do an MA or an MDiv. An MA I could do in one year, an MDiv I could do in three, and so it seemed to make sense to me. You do the shortest amount of schooling possible. So I called this fellow, Don Barnett, and, uh, Burnett, and I said, Don, here's what I'm considering. What should I do? He said, do the thir- three-year degree. I said, Why? And he said, you need to go as deep as you can so that God has something to work with to take you as broad as he wants to. And, uh, and so that's what I did. I, I ended up taking his advice. It was wonderful counsel. And as you look at a wonderful counselor, in Matthew chapter 1, Jesus is, he takes on this title, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Um, it's, it's a Trinitarian statement. We see in that all three persons of the Trinity, wonderful counselor, speaking of the Holy Spirit, Mighty God, referring to the unity. Uh, Everlasting Father, referring to the Father. And Prince of Peace, referring to Jesus. These were titles. Uh, Jesus, it wasn't modalism, which is a form of, in theology, it's a, it's a term that's often used when referring to the Trinity as though in the Old Testament Jesus was Father and in the New Testament he became Son and in the, uh, after his ascension he became the Holy Spirit. That's, that's called heresy. Uh, that wasn't what happened. Jesus was the father in the sense that he was the father of eternal life. That he birthed into existence our eternal life with him. So these titles were given in reference to Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 1, look with me at uh, Matthew chapter 1 verse 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together. She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Wonderful Counselor is one of the Holy Spirit's titles. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. There are three different responses to the fall, primarily, primarily emotionally. The fall being the time when in paradise, um, humanity turned its uh, back on God and did its own thing. Those three responses are fear. It says they hid themselves. They were Adam and Eve were afraid. There was fear. There was shame for their action. 
and there was, uh, there was this sense of guilt that they, they had. So there was fear, shame, and guilt. Here we see that, that uh, Joseph is in a culture that's part of shame and honor culture. And he says he's unwilling to put his wife to shame. In the Hebrew culture, the engagement period was one year long. And at that point, you're considered married. So that when you're engaged, you are married to that person. And during that time period, Mary is pregnant. And, and Joseph thinks... She's slept around, and he says, you know, I will put her away quietly. I won't put her to shame. So he was not willing to shame his wife, which would have been the normal form of punishment. But he was, when he was considering these things, the wonderful counselor shows up and it, in the form of an angel of the Lord who appeared to him in a dream and says, Joseph, son of David, do not fear, we see the other emotional response, to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. This was spoken, by the way, 700 years before the time of Jesus. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God wanted Joseph to know that he was not alone, that God was with him. The second title that's given is Mighty God. And in Luke chapter 1, we'll turn there in a moment, but in Luke chapter 1, we we see Mary's response. Uh, I remember when Joan was was pregnant with one of our kids, she had uh, placenta previa. And those of you who are from a medical background or, or mothers here, you may, may know the term, but where the placenta covers the cervix, and so she was going to not be able to birth naturally. I think it was with Corey and um, our second child. It was either Corey or Laurel. Joan will correct me, and uh, I'll, get, I'll get the correct one when, before my next message. But uh, the, I remember in this, the, we have seven kids, so... Uh, she, she had placenta previa, and, uh, and so she was not going to be able to birth naturally. And I remember through that time of just, we, we just went to the elders of our church, asked them to pray over her. They did. The placenta moved, and she was able to birth naturally. And uh, we were able to have seven kids. We would not have been able to have seven kids had that not occurred. But God moved miraculous, in, in a miraculous way because he is mighty God, mighty God. God, and this is the second title that's given. And in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, it says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favor one, the Lord is with you. Mary was not alone. God wanted Mary to know. I am with you. Greetings, I am with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid. There's that emotional response. Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom 
of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How uh, will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born, will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth is in her old age. She has conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Almighty God, mighty God, the second title that's given. Because God wanted Mary to know she was not alone, that God was with her. The third title is Everlasting Father. Everlasting Father, and it's unlike the Christmas specials that you see. I get on my phone daily, it seems, uh, somebody advertising a coupon for something that's for sale, and it's always for a limited time only. Not with God. It's not a limited time, time offer. It's everlasting Father. There's no end. There's no beginning. He has always been. He will always be. And this is a title that's given to Jesus, everlasting And in John chapter 14, there's an amazing statement that Philip is wrestling with this whole deal. And and he's he's just wondering. Jesus is telling about his departure. And and Philip says, wait, I don't understand. And in the middle of that conversation, he says, look, if you'll just show us the Father, it will be enough. Jesus, if you'll just show us the Father, that'll be enough for, for us. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father. That is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. The, the timeline surrounding Jesus' birth is absolutely amazing. When you, when you look at the, uh, the, the night of his birth, God appears to the shepherds. The shepherds were the lowest form of the social strata, and he speaks to them that the gospel is for all people. And so he goes to the lowest social strata first. If it was in India, he would go, be going to the untouchables. And he goes to the shepherds and he reveals himself to them. And they come and they worship him. And the, they, they come and they, they want to see this sight. And then after his birth, eight days after his birth, Jewish boys were named on the eighth day at the day of their circumcision. And uh, ironically, within those from a medical background, though we have several, at the eighth day in a male's body, the uh, vitamin K is absolutely at its highest where, blood, where bleeding will stop naturally on its own. And that's when God said to do the circumcision. And so no vitamin K shot was needed. And so at this moment, Jesus is named. And uh, Anna and Simeon, two, two elderly people come up that God had revealed that they would not die until they had seen the kingdom of God come. And they come and they bless this child and they speak over him. With, uh, when, when Mary goes and visits Elizabeth, Elizabeth is six months pregnant and says she stays with her cousin Elizabeth for three months. Now, it doesn't tell us that she stayed for the birth of John the Baptist, but it would be highly unlikely that she would leave prior to that time. And uh, so she's there and she's visiting. And then 
It's actually two years later when the Magi come. Jesus, the, ty- the, the, the term that's used, we, we read it at the very beginning with Herod. With Herod, it says uh, that Herod went to Bethlehem to slaughter the children that were two years old and under according to the time that he had been given by the Magi. So they show up two years later, and he's a child, and he's in a home, and the language used in Greek refers that he's not an infant any longer. He's a child. He's two years old. And so they come, and they offer him gold, frankincense, and myrrh, or as my daughter Corey said when she was about three or four years old, they offered gold, Frankenstein, and myrrh. And, <laughs> and so we don't know how many magi there were, there were. We don't know if there were three. We think three because three gifts are mentioned. I've heard up to hundreds. We, we don't have a clue how many magi, how many wise men uh, came. Here's the cool deal. Daniel in 586 had been taken captive and was in uh, Iran, I'm sorry, in Iraq and uh, in Babylon. And he was taken captive in Babylon. And he, he spoke, and I did a message of that on that earlier this year. But he, he bore witness to God's kingdom, to Nebuchadnezzar and to Belshazzar. And, and to uh, Cyrus and Darius from Iran, from the Persian Empire. And the wise men came from what region? From the east. Where? From Iran. And they come. And where in the world did they hear these stories of a Messiah being born in Bethlehem or being born in, in Jerusalem in that area? They had to hear it from the stories of the prophets and from Daniel. And so it's so cool how they come and they, they, they come to this child and they offer these gifts which actually financed his trip to Egypt. His, the King James says his flight to Egypt, and we know how expensive flights are. Evidently, they were expensive back then, and so, so we, we, we see, this, see this deal. But, but I'm digressing. <clears throat> prince of Peace. In John chapter 14, we read about the Prince of Peace. In John 14 and verse 25, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, there's the wonderful counselor again, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Hmm. We're in need of peace today, aren't we? Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You heard me say to you, I'm going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. But I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise and let us go from here. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, at the fall of humanity, there's this statement made to Eve. And it's a statement that that her seed will crush Satan's head, but that he will bruise the seed's heel. Well, you don't have to be a biologist uh, to know there's a problem with that verse. Women don't have seed. The word's literally sperm. 
uh, that her sperm will crush Satan's head. And it's actually what theologians call the proto-evangelum, the first gospel, that actually it's the promise immediately when humanity falls that there will be a a supernatural birth that will occur in the future where there will be a supernatural event where Jesus will crush Satan's head. When did that happen? As the spike went through and bruised his heel. Every swing of the hammer by the Roman soldiers simply drove the nail deeper into Satan's skull, crushing his authority and his power. The Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. There's a statement that... um, the quote of which is un- the, the author is unknown, says sometimes true peace can only be found on the other side of war. I know there was a movie made about uh, author in the round table that, that stole that quote, but the actual author is unknown. Here's a, uh, <clears throat> a quote from Winston Churchill that fits a piece that's known on the, only on the other side of war. During World War II, Churchill said, we shall defend our island. Whatever the cost may be, we shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. Jesus came to bring peace, but the peace between the first coming of the kingdom It's actually a two-part movie. Part one was his birth and the birth of the kingdom of God. The sequel's much better when he returns and completely obliterates the evil that we know in our world. Tim Holt's favorite uh, theologian, I believe, is N.T. Wright. And Wright says, uh, there will be a day when all the wrongs will be set to right. We look forward to that day. God wants you to know. He wanted wanted Joseph to know he was not alone, that God was with him. He wanted Mary to know that she was not alone, that God was with her. He wanted Philip to know he was not alone, that God was with him. He wanted his disciples to know that they were not alone, that God was with him. And God wants you to know you are not alone. God is with you. If you don't know him, today would be a great day to make the introduction. And I want to ask that we pray here in just a moment. And if you don't know Christ, he's revealed himself as born of a virgin. The scripture has revealed that he was crucified, that he died, he was buried, and three days later that he rose from the dead, that he ascended into heaven, and that he's coming back. And if upon hearing that truth, and you have never committed your life to Christ, I want to give you that opportunity today to just say yes to God. And so as we pray, let's just close our eyes so that anyone who has not yet met the Savior can do so in the privacy of, the, uh, of our time together. And if you don't know him this morning but want to, I just ask you to slip up your hand and say, I want to know Christ. I want to know him. Just lift your hand. Okay, thank you. Thank you. And I want to just invite you to pray this prayer. Lord, I give all that I know about me, the good, the bad, 
the ugly to all that I know about you. I thank you that I am not alone. That shame no longer has to control my life. That fear no longer has to dominate me. That guilt can be forgiven. If you're here today and you know the Savior, but the events of this week have shaken you, or events of your personal life, you're just struggling with some things, I'd like for a prayer team to go ahead to, uh, to the side, even during the worship time, and they'll be to my left, your right, and just invite you to come and receive prayer this morning if that's a need that you have. <clears throat> Father, we commit this day to you, and we ask you once again, comfort those in Connecticut in their great tragic loss. And we ask you to comfort us as well. We thank you that we are not alone, even in the midst of tragedy. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.